0: everyone. Today we'll be talking about contextually relevant experiences to drive improvements in customer journeys. I'm happy to be partnering today with CX leader Dan Peppers and senior customer experience manager Betul Ilmaz. Great to have you today both with us. Let's start with why contextually relevant customer experiences matter. According to a research done by Destination CRM magazine, more than 70% of today's consumers make a decision to buy without speaking to a human. So more important than ever, securing a new sale means providing the relevant information to the right person at the right time and the way they prefer during their buying window. In another study by Salesforce research drawn to consumers and companies across the world, 70% of the respondents said connected processes such as seamless handoffs and contextualized engagements based on earlier transactions are very important to winning their business. In the same research, 57% of the consumers said they have stopped buying from a company because a competitor provided a better experience. So customer experience matters and making it contextual matters even more. And if done right, better experiences can create loyal customers. And if done wrong, it might trigger flight to competition. Having said that, It's not that easy to deliver contextual experiences. It requires companies to understand struggle points of customers as they go through their journeys. It requires processes to discover root causes, find solutions and fix things. And finally, it requires reliable metrics and ongoing measurements to assess outcomes to see if the solution indeed solved the problem. So let's move to the topics first. Dan will share why contextual relevance is important and some of the ways to approach it. Next, we will talk about how to get more out of Net Promoter Score and other performance metrics. And our next speaker will be Betul, and she will share how Agile approach helped them in improving critical customer journeys with a case study from BNP perry So let's start with our first speaker. Over to you, Don.
1: Thank you, Poyraz. Uh, and I want to start with a little story. A friend of mine uh, went into a Home Depot store in the United States and she didn't feel very good about her experience there in fact she was very ticked off when she left the store she was quite angry that they hadn't served her well and she went home she said that evening she got a call from the home depot um, a survey call uh, asking her her opinion about her service and she unloaded on them she said she was disgusted she thought it was terrible service and she told them what they should do differently and she said That was the last time she ever heard from Home Depot. Nobody ever followed up. Now, her judgment was that Home Depot obviously doesn't care about their customers. My judgment is that Home Depot just wasn't competent enough to connect the dots, to pick up the context of the customer's opinion, uh, and connect it with an action later. They never followed up because their systems didn't talk to each other the right way. And product-centric competitors often don't link interactions with particular customers. Customer-centricity is about managing the customer's experience, not just managing the public's perception. And when you manage the, public, the, the customer's experience, there are fundamentally there are four basic kinds of steps that you have to follow. First, you have to know who your customers are, you have to identify them. Uh, And then you need to differentiate them. You need to know which customers want which kind of product and which customers are worth more to serve and worth less. You need to interact with them to find out more about how to treat them. And then you customize your experience. You treat different customers differently, right? That's the sort of the payoff step of customer experience management. And these four steps, I could break them down into two kinds of stages. First is customer insight. You know, when you identify your customers and you differentiate them, the customer doesn't even know that you're looking. They don't participate in that process. This happens in your own customer database. You're observing them. You're watching what's happening. um, you, You can see what their behaviors are, and they're different. Um, uh these, these are the customer insight stages. Uh, but when you interact with the customer, now the customer has to participate. Uh, and you customize for the customer. Now the customer is engaged in the process. And that's the, that's the operational part of CRM as opposed to the analytical part of CRM. But let me dwell on customer insight just for a bit. You know, there are two kinds of metrics required to produce useful customer insight. Uh, one, I would say, is observational data, performance data, social chatter, things that you can look at uh, online or in your controls. That you know when products get delivered on time or not, when what the click-through rate is, how many mentions you get on Facebook. These are things you can observe. The other kind of metric is interactive, and it is um, customer feedback. So when, when Home Depot called my friend at home and asked her what she thought of her experience at the store, that's a form of interactive data. She gave them an opinion. Uh, she was answering a Net promoter score survey but it could have been customer satisfaction or any other kind of attitudinal survey. Now observational metrics, these are objective, uh, but interactive metrics are subjective, that is, it's important to know from the, from directly from the customer how they feel about an experience. But how a customer feels about the experience will depend a great deal on how the customer feels about everything else that's happening in their life or about uh, the experience they had at a competitor, for instance. Now, let me bring this home with a graph <clears throat> from a non-US telecom company. Back in uh, 2014, they sent me this data um, and they had put their senior executives on a bonus plan that depended on their strategic NPS um, not going down. Um, The strategic NPS was measured when they they basically called 400 customers at random every month and asked them on a scale of 0 to 10, how likely would you be to recommend our company to your friends? Uh, And they measured that religiously. <clears throat> but at the end of October, thir- uh, at the end of uh, 2013, you can see there in October 2013, the NPS score started going down. It plummeted, really. And the bonuses these executives expected to receive in January were lost. They were forfeited uh, because of this plummeting NPS. And they came to me and they wanted to know, why did this happen? And I said, well, what did the NPS of their competitors do? And they said, "Well, we, we don't measure our competitors' NPS. Why would we do that?" I said, "Because what you need to know is what your customers' opinions are of you relative to your competitors." I said, "If you don't have competitor score, let's look at the consumer sentiment in your country." And so we went to the Ministry of Commerce. We pulled up the chart. The charts are almost identical. The, these these executives were by measuring only their own customers, they were, in fact, um, um, falling for the fact that NPS is subjective uh, and people's attitudes went down when consumer confidence went down. And when their confidence went down, their satisfaction <laughs> with this telecom company also went down. So if you want to get accurate and use results from your subjective VOC surveys, they're important. But you need to assess your results relative to your competitors, okay, to take account for this inherent subjectivity. Also, be aware of a flaw that many companies um, uh, commit, and they think that by asking all their customers all the time to what their opinion is on the company, that they'll, they'll get enough, they'll get a large number of survey responses, and that gives them confidence in the results. But that shouldn't give them confidence in the results. It's not the number of survey responses you get. It's what proportion of the people you asked actually participated in the survey. If you ask everybody and you only get five or even 10% of people responding and giving you an answer, that's not projectable to the, there's a tremendous amount of selection bias in there. Uh, so you, you're you better off measuring the opinions of a thousand people if um, that thousand people represents 70 or 80% of everybody you asked to participate in a survey. For instance, because you gave a prize out or a um, a rebate or uh, maybe there was a contest or a drawing. That doesn't mean universal transactional surveys are not useful, they are, they're highly useful. They're useful for complaint discovery. But as my friend found in the Home Depot case, if you discover a complaint and then don't follow up The contextual blindness is going to be obvious to your customer. It's going to be really obvious. Contextual relevance. Contextual relevance is based on each individual customer's journey. Here's a sample journey. Um, uh, The trigger event is there's a broken product uh, and the customer goes online and tries to find out um, how the product should be fixed. But when the customer calls in, the agent has no knowledge at all of her recent web interaction. And that's when context is broken. That's a contextually irrelevant response by the agent because the customer knows that they were just on your own website and you didn't know her. If the channels had been integrated, then the website's flaw would have been observed in real time during the customer's journey. And real-time feedback could drive agile CX design efforts, eliminating friction for future customers. But the channels weren't integrated, and the context was broken. Moreover, now, because of that broken context, even the most competent voice, chat, or in-store interaction can't make up for this missing contextual data. Tracking your... Customer experience data in real time would have allowed continuous improvement of the customer experience. And that's what we're talking about with contextual relevance. Every company has its own journey toward a better customer experience. It's not just, it's not the customer journey I'm talking about here, it's the company journey toward a better customer experience. You want to identify individual points of friction or struggle. That customers are dealing with, and you eliminate them one at a time. Your customer experience is never going to be perfect because human customers will never be perfect. You're never going to get to a point where your customer experience is as good as it can ever get. That just is not going to happen. You need to continuously improve your customer experience, perfect it, streamline it, take the friction out. Continuous improvement requires constant, real time, contextual feedback. You can use agile principles to drive real-time customer experience quality improvement by constantly testing, experimenting, iterating, and prototyping. Think of it as a piece of software that you're constantly honing and taking the bugs out of and making it better and better uh, as we go on. So I'm going to turn it back to you, Raz.
0: Thank you, Don, for these inspiring uh, insights about contextual experiences. Now I'm going to turn to uh, Betul. Talk about their experience and how they improved customer journeys with an agile approach. Over to you. Uh,
2: thank you, Paulas, and thank you, Don. It was inspiring. I want to start with some figures from Turkey. There are 52 banks, and 36 million people are active digital bank users. Turkish Economy Bank was established in 1927 and is among one of the Turkey's oldest and most deeply rooted financial institutions. TEP entered into a strategic partnership with BNP Paribas in 2005. BNP Paribas is a global bank which has a presence in 73 countries and the euro areas number one bank. TEP gives its customers access to BNP Paribas global vision and operational capabilities. TEP is also known as one of the most innovative banks in Turkey. I want to continue with our customer experience journey. In TAP, firstly, we have defined our strategy to be the most recommended bank in terms of customer experience. We follow all customer interactions by a structured customer experience model. We basically have four pillars. Keeping in mind our strategy, we understand our customers, not only, but mainly by Net Promoter Score. Next, we have started to listen to our customers within a structured way. We measure their experiences with actionable alternative CX reporting and some other tools. We do additional research, and we design customers' end-to-end journeys. Finally, we manage this program with a well-structured change management model. As a summary of we use customer and employee feedbacks to design new customer journeys with data analyzes. Now, I will introduce four major principles that we use for design. Firstly, we get back to the first principle, means we don't assume, but we start with the basic by asking what the customer needs. We work in collaborative way. For each design project, we work with cross-functional teams. We walk in our customers' shoes to make empathy with them, and we solve problems in creative way. Working with these four principles, we always consider five building blocks of tab experience which are information and transparency, timeliness, value for money, convenience and service quality. When it comes to data, considering TEPCX building blocks and design principles by using the power of data, we aim to increase customer advocacy. We have ability to integrate online and offline data through all our channels that we serve. Linking online and offline data provides more value and insight. By combining the two, we are closing the loop between what happens in digital campaigns and offline transactions and get a much more comprehensive picture of the customer. We have ability to collect feedbacks through all of our customer engagement channels. We listen to the customer responses to a particular interaction. This allows us to be more contextual relevant in what we're gonna offer. While making relevant offers with the right message through right channel, And at the right time, our products and services has to be relevant to the customers as well. Combining online and offline data enables us to make more tailor-made offers and to lead us human-centered products and services. Human-centric design approach uses intensive field data. We understand users' needs, tasks, intents, and processes in order to design products and systems that meet users' and, of course, business needs. At the same time it's a great tool to create a shared understanding of the customer experience between the different functional organizational silos which refers to tep's collaborative work design principle there are seven steps to go through and finally i'm going to share one of our first human-centric service design process with you the main purpose of the mps is to be an actionable metric for service design while we are analyzing Consumer loan journey NPS. We observed that initial step of consumer loan journey, which is application, has relatively low NPS. Then going into the data, we spotted that even there are some customers not completing the consumer loan application via digital channels. Clients were mentioning the process and communication in NPS comments. We discovered that the root causes long application form. As summary. Journey MPS triggered the service design process, and we have created an agile team to work on I need Cash now customer journey. Firstly, we have started by onboarding the sponsor and the product owner of the journey. In previous slides, I mentioned the importance of creating a shared understanding between the different function and organization silos. Stakeholders were mapped and visited. So to realize that, For this journey, an Agile team was created consists of 18 colleagues from 12 different departments. Targets and KPIs of the project were identified in this initial step. We got back to the first principle. Um, For understanding of customer motivation to apply a loan, our Agile team interviewed 35 customers. Meantime, we did benchmarks and analyzed banks' data. Based on the customer insights from interviews, Agile team created three personas, this journey and empathy mapping done for these personas. Thanks to this journey, we have identified 20 quick fixes, which had an immediate impact on business results. Having all data and customer insights, we were ready to ideation days. In ideation days, the team was challenged to brainstorm several ideas. Ideation days were really all about creativity and all about fun. During two days of ideation, we found two ideas for better consumer loan experience. Agile team prepared prototypes for customer tests. Then we have started to test the ideas using prototypes. Testing ensures that the team learns what works and what doesn't work for customers. Iteration is key here. As you will not solve the problem in one go, you need to go back to previous steps, work again with customer feedback. We tested our solutions in four branches and in web application with 45 customers and iterate for two times. Thanks to customer feedback and hard work of Agile team, with the human-centric design approach, in eight weeks' time, we have found more than 20 quick fixes and fixed them, which have increased the business results by 5%. Two new ideas of, for loan application and one other, two more solutions to be developed. Our final design, credit wheel, is a wheel which the co- consumers choose consumer loan name, then enter ID number and mobile phone number, and spin the wheel. Then your loan application will be evaluated. Customer motivation for a loan is making their dreams come true. In this first screen of the wheel, we asked them for their dreams. In the beginning, our challenge was relatively low MPS on consumer loan application and to decrease the incomplete applications from web, which is a result of long application form. Thanks to cross-functional team, now with credit wheel, we decrease the number of information asked for application. In the interviews, customers said they don't feel comfortable asking for a money for someone or from a bank. CreditVille is a gamification of loan applications, which makes customers more comfortable and it is fun to apply. MPS commands indicated communication as well. CreditVille has a friendly language. In sentence, CreditVille is a consumer loan application interface, which is designed for all channels so this is all from my side starting from a customer feedback to a context relevant design for co- consumer loans so thank you for us
0: thank you Betul. thank you for sharing uh, those are indeed great examples of uh experience improvements they were rapid so um that gives us a couple of uh, very important takeaways first contextual relevance as we discussed, is key to delivering a frictional customer experience. Um, Second, our organizations can be aware of broken journeys by measuring customer experience and getting feedback in real time. Third, in designing what Betul has mentioned as relevant journeys, uh, behavioral data and employee feedbacks both play a critical role, as critical as customer feedbacks. And finally, Agile cross-functional teams can deliver results in large organizations and overcome silos. I would like to thank you all for your interest, and we hope to see you in another session. Goodbye.